Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Behind the Scenes of Happiness. Motivation for motivators. I'm your host, Christoph Spiesens. Today I talk with Dr. Natalia Vihovsky, personal branding strategist and award-winning international keynote speaker who radically changed her life and career after a self-imposed sabbatical to follow her passion, teaching people how to market themselves. We talk about the power of showing up authentically in today's digital world, why self-work is essential and how to deal with challenges such as imposter syndrome and stage fright, but also what it really takes to make our New Year's resolutions really work and so much more. Enjoy! So today I'm extremely pleased, not just that it's the winter solstice, but that I get this wonderful opportunity to, to talk to a true LinkedIn influencer who's been on my radar for quite a while, and that's the wonderful Dr. Natalia Bihovsky. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Yes, thanks for Award-winning public speaker, personal branding ninja, and if you don't mind me sharing this, I think all-round wonderful human being. And the reason I'm saying this is because you are so kind and generous in sharing enormous amounts of free resources through social media channels such as LinkedIn, um, which provide huge value to not only your followers, but only also to the, to the general public. So, and you do that from what I can feel as, and that's the spiritual coach in me talking, I feel you do it wholeheartedly. And so for that, I want to say thank you. And of course, also thank you for agreeing to come on the show today. Oh, thanks so much. I feel flattered and that's beautifully said. Yes, I think you need to tap into what's important to you and then train that and then share it with the world because that's the reason why you're here. And when you don't do that, you will not like yourself if i want to put it that way or when you share that gift with the world you'll die one day thinking yes did everything right was an awesome ride let's go next level so i would like to start with the authenticity piece because mm -hmm. even this morning on linkedin and i know that you're based in dubai so we're talking approximately a four-hour time difference between yourself and the UK. So, so this morning when I woke up um, here in Manchester, I saw a brand new post of yours on LinkedIn about the three mistakes that, you, that can ruin your personal brand. And one of those is that lack of authenticity. Mm -hmm. Because there's a mismatch between what people say and what they actually do or... Yeah, they're not always walking the talk, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I would like uh, my first question, Doctor, is kind of twofold. What does authenticity mean to you? And then the second part is, in a digital world, how can people show up authentically when there is so much pressure, perhaps, to doing things like? that in motivational speaker who is much further along the line does it or that politician who's got far more resources and a, a team of producers around them who can do it in a much more you know in a grander way how can one still show up authentically and create authentic content on 
LinkedIn, for example. Okay, so let's start with authenticity. For me, being authentic means being that person that you are when you have your best friends over or your family and you maybe already had a glass of red wine and you're having good food. You, like if you don't drink, you don't need to have the red wine. But the person that you are at the kitchen party, the person that you are um, close to your friends, mm. where, you, where you are pure, where you are truly you, and in a majority of cases, you will also make people laugh. That's at least what I see. Um, that is authentic as a foundation. Mm -hmm. But then on top of that, and I think that's something that a lot of people are missing out on is, yes, be authentic, but also be diplomatic, especially in political situations mm. and on social media. Mm. So be diplomatic and professional when the situation requires you to do so. I don't think that somebody is not authentic because usually that person swears like a crazy person, but now he's on LinkedIn or she's on LinkedIn and just transports the same message, but in a very provocative way without using, you know, the sure. colorful language. Mm -hmm. I don't think that this is not being authentic. No. For me, it shows being emotionally intelligent and understanding that you can swear on Instagram, you can swear on Facebook, but on LinkedIn, you don't do that. Mm. Or, um, yeah, so I think it's about emotional intelligence, intelligence and being diplomatic and professional in specific scenarios while still sharing your unique truth and voice. This is how I would um, mm. yeah, define my version of authenticity. And uh, how do you do that? You don't need a huge budget for it. You just need to sit down, structure, just, right? <laughs> sit down, because um, it's, it's work. Uh, we use the word just way too often. Oh. Uh, so you, you sit down, you structure your thoughts, you get clear on the message that you want to share with your audience. And when you share that message and transport it through a story and then have a call to action or a question in the end, people will like you and they will engage with you. And it, um, that is possible on a small budget. And you start like this and then the more money uh, you'll have, then you can hire a professional videographer and you can hire somebody who edits and cut that for you and make it a little bit more fancy. And then you can invest mm -hmm. into ads to push that to a wider audience, but you don't need that in the beginning. Start with what you have, but in order to create this content, you need to work on yourself and to figure out what your message is and, and why you're here. And uh, then, then work with coaches and with yeah. experts to, to be able to share that, that you. So get rid of fears and limiting beliefs and yeah, all of that. Sure. Great. Thank you for sharing your personal definition of what authenticity means to you. And also when you went into the answer to part B of my question, a word that came to mind is trust. It's regardless of how you do it, it's about trusting that when you come from an authentic angle, the way will show itself and yeah. the, the how will follow your why, so to speak. Um, so I, I can, one of the things that you, because you mentioned, you, you know, you can, you can be yourself. If you curse a lot, you can, you can still express yourself. You don't have to use colorful language. It really resonated with me because I was scanning through my 
thoughts and through my career as a learning and development facilitator first and then as a public speaker and, and coach. If the message and the intention are right, you can pitch that to pretty much any audience. Yeah. But that's driven by a certain authenticity, I think, because the authenticity, yeah, just keeps you in, in, in check and it stops exactly. you from so saying from the wrong. Going Absolutely. Out. It's like because a frame or something. So you bounce off the frame left and right, which is then based on your values. Exactly. And depending on the audience, you just, uh, you need to be flexible. Uh, and you can also test how far you can go. But this is for me when this, this, this small puzzle piece of being diplomatic and emotionally intelligent and professional is very important because that's something that a lot of people don't get. They think that once they're authentic, they, they need to be like, hey, take me as I am, I'm here, hey, I'm authentic. That's not what authenticity is. That's being, I don't know. Loud, <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> Better word. That's being loud um, and it's, if that might work for some people, but hey ho. And I, I like the, the the framework because it's true, and your values keep you in check. Yeah. And you, to for me, authenticity means going to bed with a with a clear conscience every night, and you you just know whether you have made a, a small white lie to please that person in the audience or to please that stakeholder, or whatever. It is. And it doesn't sit right. It's mm -hmm. like that was not me. So I need to avoid that next time because this is not going to bed with a clear conscience. And I think we all have our um, system, you know, our, our metrics system in place to, to measure how we stay authentic or not. Mm -hmm. So this is what you do very well in terms of helping other people with. You help them recalibrate with their authenticity, with their values, with who they are, etc., And you call it coach sulting, I believe. Yeah. Is, that, is, is that right? But mm -hmm. you weren't always in this line of work because you, of course, you, you, you had your doctorate in, in your doctor of philosophy. Is, is mm -hmm. it social sciences? I'm not, have I got that yeah. right? Yeah. And then you had this very successful corporate career for a couple of years and you successful by many by you know on many different levels but mm -hmm. inside you you weren't truly happy right and then I believe you took some time out you went on a sabbatical can you tell us a little bit not so much perhaps about the sabbatical but about the transition from the sabbatical into what you do now the reason I'm asking that doctor is because this morning you posted about young life coaches, one of the mistakes they make is that they don't back up their credibility by not giving enough examples. So here's my devil's advocate question. And you know, mm -hmm. that's the nature of the podcast. How okay. did you, during the transition of going from corporate to personal branding, marketing, yeah. 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 How did you back that up with potentially a lack of experience in that next field? Yeah. So, during that sabbatical, my core work was self-work and questioning everything that I have ever learned. So I needed to touch every concept that I was aware of, like politics, family, society, success, career, mm. anything, friendships, nutrition, um, God, 
anything. And uh, I asked myself the question, what is it that I was taught by, let's say, an entity or society? What is it that my peers and family wants me to believe? And what is it that I actually believe? And it was shocking <laughs> how different the answers were. <laughs> and uh, so that was a systematic unlearning process of everything that I always thought I knew. And at a certain stage, I understood that my dream job or the dream career that I always wanted, like at the age of 13, 14, I, I had this feeling of how I would feel and live one day when I'm around 30 um, and how my job would feel. I just knew how it would feel. And when I reached that age, I realized it feels horrible and so far away from it. But I never knew what it was that I wanted to do. I just know that I deserve that feeling and that it exists because it was there years ago, uh, at least in my imagination. So um, I, I read a lot of books. I listened to a lot of videos and, and followed these people who also made transitions. And, and they all said that you need to scratch your own itch. So you need to figure out what you like doing. Um, and as I'm a millennial, I, I, I'm fascinated by social media. I, I just think it's, it's insane how, how it works, how it connects people. I was always fascinated and slightly annoyed by people who do not have a lot of knowledge or substance, but they are brilliant in selling themselves. <laughs> and when they're successful, that was just a hate love. And I always saw, because I used to be um, a dancer, so I had a lot of creative friends in my social network. And I saw all of these creative people with talent and skills or even knowledge in a, in a very specific field of creating jewelry or being a musician. And these guys were crawling on the floor, not being able to pay their bills. Mm. And, and I was like, that annoys me. Social media is fascinating. And I just... I, I, need, I need to express myself. This is everything that I knew. Um, oh, <laughs> so I read a lot. I listened a lot. And at a certain stage, created a list of all the things that I thought were cool and did them. So I, I understood. Let, I start with blogging and writing, and I did that. Mm -hmm. At a certain stage, a friend told me about keynote speaking. Um, so I uh, you know, started creating keynotes. Um, and uh, I, I read everything about social media and shared my perspective on it. And I, I told people that I'm on a journey of finding myself and hmm. that I have no clue where the journey is going, but I know that I will be successful and people find me funny and positive. And this is the story that I was telling for, I don't know, one and a half, two, two and a half years. And uh, a lot of people were like, who is she? I don't care. And who are you? And you're too young. And what is it that you tell me? And I was like, I told you, I'm going on a journey and you will know my name in five years. Um, and some people found that cool and said, okay, cool. Let's see. Huh? I don't know if they wanted to see me fail or if they wanted to see me succeed. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but they went on that journey. And I continuously gave my best to share my milestones and to share my um, yeah, like the, the things that made click in me and how that changed my, my way of, of, of working and living. And eventually people started approaching me and said, you're good in this. You talked about this. Can you help me with this? Can you do that? Um, and I realized, gosh, I'm a mix between a coach and a consultant and the speaking thing is really good. And, you know, 
that somehow then became more often and more often and understood, okay, this is where I get money from and this is where I can charge more for. And this is just a time waster. So I kicked it aside. And um, yeah, and then I just really focused on getting testimonials, <laughs> getting those big clients and uh, ta-da. So that's the transition from A to B. Super Absolutely. messy, very painful, very embarrassing. Um, but hey, you know. Super authentic. Exactly. Mm. It is what it is. What do you want to do? Wow. Thank you for sharing. Um, something very interesting you mentioned towards the end there that I want to come back to. Um, sometimes people help us or they reflect back to us. They say, oh, you were really good at this. This works. That doesn't work so much. Or have you considered doing this and that? In, in my personal journey, the feedback from other people has helped me to better understand what it is exactly that I do. do is that similar in, in your experience? And Absolutely. Is that, yeah. Yeah. So is that something Great. that you now recommend in your work? Do people that people do is like keep your eyes and ears open for feedback and take it all in? Absolutely. I mean, for me, the aha moment was when a friend who, or not friend, I would call her a colleague, mm -hmm. who then turned into a client, she approached me one day with a huge book in her hand and she said, there's this book, it's way too thick, I don't have the time, can you read it and teach me everything that is in it? By the way, you do that anyway. And I looked at the book and it said personal branding and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Mm -hmm. I have no clue. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh yes, of course, that's what I do, uh, give me two weeks. And I read the book. <laughs> Uh, and I thought, that's really what I do. And it mm -hmm. totally makes sense with my social scientist background. And this is a lot of social media work. And it's about expressing yourself. And in the end, it's about marketing yourself. And then also fixes this problem that I have with my creative friends who are too shy of going out there and talking about themselves while other people who aren't that good make the money. So this was like everything was like, woo, amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, one of the, in one of my first sessions with my clients, I tell them task number one, ask your five closest friends, um, who you are, what you, what you are good at, um, at least three to five keywords. And they are always surprised and shocked because the idea behind it is, in my opinion, we take what we are good at for granted. It's like, oh yeah, of course, that's what I do. It's like, no, 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 that could be a magic. That is something that you excel at. This is maybe your gift or the thing that you need to polish with the world. Um, I think this is also directly connected to the fact that the way how, how we are raised or the way how people market to us is always looking at our flaws and looking at my own mistakes is about fixing your flaws. Also at school, um, it's always yeah. about, oh, you're not good in mathematics, or you're not good in English, or you're not good in mm -hmm. chemistry. Let's talk about the fact that I'm good in, in, in math and in, I don't know, biology, and allow me to focus on that, because the rest in real world, you know, in a real scenario, I will outsource to somebody who's nailing it. You cannot be an expert in everything. Mm -hmm. But this is not how the structure, the system that we are raised in function so i think that's why we also look at ourselves rather from the where am i not good at instead of appreciating what we know yeah. and what we have so yeah. yeah definitely ask your friends ask your mentors be open to feedback there's yep. a lot of value in there and you mentioned language just a few seconds ago one of the things that i like so much about your blog thinknatalia.com is you introduce your blog 
by saying, one of the ways that I'm authentic is by writing the way that I speak. Mm. And that is so powerful because I see people who are non-native English speakers, for example, um, they are very worried or they, they, they stop themselves from putting out more content because they are worried that it's not perfect English, for example. Mm. It's about what's your number one suggestion in terms of overcoming that self-limiting belief, because that's what it is. Well, listen, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's again, easily said, but that was the glass of red wine talking. No, I'm joking. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, look at very early videos from people like Eckhart Tolle, um, Adriana Huffington, um, or, or literally anybody who speaks more than one language fluently, who made it internationally. Um, the fact that you can speak two languages is awesome. It's perfect. And when you think that, <clears throat> pardon me, your English is not good yet, then find a way how to fix it. Instead of being, oh, poor victim, oh, poor me, um, either get a private teacher or go to conversation classes, mm. uh, read English books, um, join a club in which you in which you train that so either you really work on improving that if you see it as a real problem mm-hmm. or you just stop talking about it and just create it and, and, and yeah. work on it yeah. and you go with, work with it perhaps yeah because yeah. that is your energy and some people will exactly. resonate with it very beautifully because they will the threshold might be lower and therefore you're more accessible and, and more relatable good okay. so I, to me, you're like the epitome of confidence. When I see you on LinkedIn, when I see <laughs> you, this is, it's part of your brand, but it's, it's an authentic confidence. And yeah. I would like to talk about confidence for, for a few moments, if that's okay. You do keynotes, for example. I do keynotes. Behind the scenes, you experience stress. You, ex- I'm talking about me, not yourself. Um, you experience anxiety. Um, I'm an empath, so I pick up on energy before I'm even at the venue. Um, so I have to, I had to learn how to manage that and work with it and channel it in a different way so that it actually works for me as opposed to against me. Do you, before you go on stage, experience your own kind of demons, and how do you manage them? I think that everybody who has found his thing and shares it with the world is nervous. I've just recently watched a documentary about Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many years he's directing movies. And he says that before every new movie, before actually every scene, he's just freaking out because he has no clue what he does and he doesn't know where the journey goes to. But once he starts, he's in the flow and it will be amazing. So... I also, I'm always nervous before big, um, let's say, I don't know, keynotes or trainings or speeches or anything, but I have learned two things. First of all, the voice in my head is not me. It's just a crazy psychopath who just likes to torture me. It's like, fuck off. Sorry. Just disappear. I'm not listening to you. And uh, mindfulness and meditation practices help a lot, Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, so the earlier you start, the better. And the second thing is preparation. Um, if it is a huge, big, international, longer keynote, I prepare around 30 hours for it. So no matter what that voice is trying to tell me, I'm answering with, eh, idiot. Mm-hmm. I prepared 30 hours for it. So no matter what you're saying, 
I'm not listening because I know my stuff and I've trained it and I've visualized it. I'm going to do a breathing like technique exercise right now because I know that uh, body, mind and soul, everything's connected. So when this is on fire, this is also on fire. But once I start breathing slowly, this one slows down. And um, in the end, it's not about me on stage. It's about the audience. Game changer. Absolutely. And that's where the focus should be. I'm not a big fan of the word should or could for that matter, but it's very helpful. So, but it's nice to, it's nice to hear that people who do it for a living still experience those gremlins and also nice to learn how you manage them. Can I go a little bit deeper and ask if you sometimes experience, and of course I'm asking this with love and with respect, if you sometimes experience bouts of imposter syndrome where you think, hmm, who am I to give this advice? Or does that never show up for you? Very good question. Because I had a client, a potential client recently, who asked me if I can guarantee that he will close at least three speaking gigs after we work together. And I thought, hmm, no, because I cannot guarantee anything because I can teach you everything. I can take you by the hand and guide you. I can show you what worked for me. I can listen to you. I can encourage you, but if you don't sit down, nothing is going to change. And I am not your mother. I'm not your wife. And even if I was, I could still <laughs> not guarantee that you're going to put in the work. Because this is the difference between, you know, learning uh, and then applying. And the application process is always different for every person. So, no, I cannot guarantee that. Um, but... I can radically increase the chances and I can teach you everything that works for me. And if you realize in the process that you're not good in closing, then maybe you hire a sales expert who does that for you. Mm -hmm. But sales is then a totally different area and I am personal branding. So you, man you manage your imposter syndrome by keeping it real, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is what I do. This is what I'm good at. This is my experience. I can help you with A, B, and C, but yeah. the E and F over to you. Exactly, oh. exactly. And I think that's, again, that's authentic for me. That's honest for me. And when I have the feeling that I'm not the right person for this client, I say that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people say, oh, you can't do this. You're losing out on, I don't know, on money, on opportunities. I just, nah, mm -mm. Um, because when the chemistry is not right, it will not work. That person will not be as successful as he or she could be. And it's, it's like dessert. Some people like pancakes and some people like mousse au chocolat and some people like, I don't know, whatever it is. Um, so it should always be a, a matching situation for, for both partners and Again, I'm not the expert in everything. I just know a lot about personal branding. And I can tell you how to get your personal brand from when you work from corporate into your own thing. Oh. Um, that's what I teach. Everything else? No. But I can refer you to somebody if, yeah, if you want to know more about it. A very refreshing take on dealing with imposter syndrome. The reason, and just in closing of this particular question or topic, 
the reason why I brought it up is because as many people, and I, I experienced it myself last year, as you raise your profile and you step up and step out into the world, even as an authentic person, you do get these, oh my God, is this, who am I to talk about this? And, yeah. and, and or the audience <laughs> are full of, um, I mean, even today I'm talking to a doctor. I was a uni dropout. Uh, it's like, this is a big thing. But of course I'm managing it because I back it up with stuff that I can bring, stuff that I know much about, um, yeah. you know, exactly my values, my experience. So, but to come back to my point, th there are many people when they begin raising their profile, that imposter syndrome does creep, creep in. And mm. uh, it's important to, to be aware of it, I think. Yeah. yeah. Before and, uh, it pulls you down. Absolutely. And, you know, if it crawls up over and over again, then this is maybe a hint that you take a few sessions with a, um, with a career coach or with a, a mentor or a healer or a whoever you want to work with, psychologist, to figure out what the root source of this is. Because maybe this is based on, again, a wrong belief, a, a trauma that you've developed as a child or, I don't know, um, when you're a teenager and this is just the the universe or the life life's way of showing you listen you would be able to fly but i'm not allowing you because you didn't get the basics right so before we fly we learn running but apparently you're crawling so get rid of that little thing we teach you how to to walk then to run and then how to fly um whenever it's, you it's i realized listen yeah, yeah. It's yeah. feedback, I suppose. There's something that you can work with yeah. that will drop the, you know, the weight and then you can go up Raise and fly higher. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Raise your energy yeah. quite literally. So I see you doing all this wonderful stuff on LinkedIn. And then there is like an army of people, fans, followers, strangers who, who, who engage with your content. And then I also sometimes go back to your 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 post and i see oh my god natalia has literally you've either liked or you've commented you've you've, you've provided feedback how do you stay on top of following you know staying engaged with your audience and do you ever need a break from all things digital because you've had it or does that never happen <laughs> um for me i see social media as a business tool and my business is to make this world a better place through my knowledge and through uh, helping people market themselves and um, you know expressing myself so that's my business um so i i understood that when you when you engage with comments you connect deeper and I think we all we all follow people and we are followed right at a certain stage on, on social media and uh, i don't know about you but um it sounds bizarre when i say it like that let me rephrase that i have also a few people that i follow who are three four five ten twenty years ahead of me and when they comment below my post or when they send me a direct message i'm like oh my god and i think wow it's a human being oh my god but he texted me or she texted me it's and a like, big thing yeah Right, exactly. So this is how people must feel when I answer them. Yes. 
was like, ah, okay, cool. So I think the, the more you grow, the more you evolve as a human being, the more you understand that everybody's just a human being. And in German, we say everybody just boils with water. Um, oh. Right. But it's still, it's, it's challenging to, to get that into your head that we're all the same. It's just that some people have more experience um, and put in more time and love into what they do. I make sure that I have specific times that are spent on social media. So um, in the morning I wake up, I, I meditate, I um, have also breakfast and I work on the things that are important to me. Then there is a time frame for emails and social media. And that time frame is maximum three hours long, maximum. That's really on a super hectic day when I also um need to make sure that oh, okay that could be an offer and that could be a, sure. a keynote right and everything like that um and then maybe half an hour in the evening but that's it it's like i i don't my phone is always on silent it even doesn't vibrate because it drives me insane it's just all of these instant notifications and tones and blah. i'm a sensitive person i can't <laughs> it distracts me mm-hmm. um so dedicated times for social media and um, I definitely spend less time on it on, on the weekends mm-hmm. and every now and then I also take like a five day detox or something, but um, it's not really that I'm, I'm not allowing it to drag me down anymore because in the end it's a tool, it's, mm-hmm. it's an app, mm-hmm. it is a platform. How, how unbalanced do I have to be to not understand that? Um, so yeah, I give my best to really remind myself every day. It's a tool. It's just nothing. It has nothing to do with me. It's how I communicate with the world, how I grow my business, how I help people. But when it takes over, it's time to take a break and step aside. You see, this is to me the real definition of authentic motivation. What you've just very kindly shared with our audience here is so much more. Well. It's, it's, I was going to say it's so much more inspirational than the other content that, and, that you put out there, which is not what, how I meant it in my head, but it adds to what you already put out there because the resources are great and are helpful, but this authentic admission, really, although the social media platforms being crucially important to the success of your personal brand and your business, you can still say as a leader in this field, no, I have my limits, I manage it, because I need to strike the balance between the digital and the non-digital, otherwise I can't function effectively. Function, yeah. But it's very refreshing to hear a leader in their field say that, so honestly, so thank you for that. My last question for our, what I'm finding a very, um, enjoyable conversation today but that's because I thrive on authenticity any and I know it's a big question so just generally any top tips for 2019 specifically because I think by the time this podcast will be released it will mm-hmm. be early January and I think it might be extra useful for our listeners and viewers to get some of your latest tips if you care to share them for 2019 in specific, not really, but for the beginning of the year, I think that could be something interesting. Yeah. A lot of people believe that they need a new year to, to start all over. And uh, I think we all know that 
in January, the amount of people that run into the gym and start exercising, working out is woo in week one. And then yeah. in week two, it's less than week three. No and smoking, week no drinking. Nothing. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Um, this is the year. Then, <laughs> exactly. That's the best year of my life. This Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Yeah. Goals. Yeah. Yeah, it does not happen in the majority of cases because the reason why you do that, your, your why, is not convincing you. It's not strong enough. Um, I, classic example, a lot of women say, I want to lose weight because I want to look good on my wedding pictures. And then what? So you got these wedding pictures and then the wedding is over and so you can eat crap again and then feel horrible and dislike yourself with all my respect. That's not a good enough reason. Your reason why you change your diet and why you go to the gym should be my body is a temple. It is a vehicle for my soul, for my spirit. I only have one of these vehicles. It's not that I have a couple of spare bodies in my cupboard and um, I need it to go through life. And the better I maintain it, the likeliness that I'll stay longer here and I stay healthier um, increases. And through that, I will live a better life. It can help more people. That is a kick-ass motivation, but not I want to look good in my wedding pictures. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so that's the and that's the um, uh, the case for everything that we do. We do not achieve our goals because we don't have a good why, mm -hmm. and then we also don't have the the system or the structure around it. And that's a very, very complex um, scenario or a very complex matter. But the earlier we all start working on it, the more successful, a lot successful and balanced and happy we will be. So our social environment is um, definitely how, how we eat. It's the people that we spend time with. It is uh, sleep, regular sleep. It is um, literally the office in which you work or the space. Um, it is, it's your habits. Do they serve you? And when you wake up in the morning, what do you do to feel good and energy? Um, and, and so much more. So it's literally tools and systems and strategies and all of this. So um, working on these and making these better is essential. And uh, we need approximately 30 days to implement a new habit. So take one bit after the other, um, not everything, and, and, and feel overwhelmed. Just, just make a list of the things that do not serve you. Um, so start maybe with journaling and then um, writing it down and then create a plan and say, in this month, I'm going to quit so-and-so. This month, I'm going to set up so-and-so. This month, I'm going to do this and this. So if you just... Just implement 12 new habits or create, I don't know, three new habits and four new things, whatever. So you have 12 long lasting changes in a year. I mean, the way how you live your life is just as if you're newborn, as if you've reinvented and, and nobody will do that for you. I mean, you need to understand that you need to take ownership for your life. You can get coaches and mentors and whatever, but these guys will only teach you how. They cannot lift the weights for you. And you will be able to lift these weights again when you have this why, when you have the structure, the people and everything I just described. And to come full circle, it's all about that authenticity again, isn't it? Why am I 
so keen to achieve this goal? Do I really need to achieve this goal or am I actually fooling myself? Am I trying to be someone that I'm not? Because that makes it all so difficult to do. Whereas when you come from an authentic angle, the goal is so much more inspirational and and achievable because it's, it's not without effort, but it's more, it's, it's, it's a different energy. It flows better. Yeah, some people say that um, when you when you have found that, it's a little bit as if this why or this target is pulling you towards it. While while when you're trying to achieve something that somebody else told you to do, for example, oh my best friend told me I need to uh, to stop smoking, hmm. then this is a push factor, and you continuously yeah. need motivation. So the pulling force is stronger than the pushing force. And, um, and in the end, there's no right or wrong. It really goes back to how do I want to live my life? How do I want to contribute? It is a learning curve and a journey and a process. And it will take time and there will be ups and downs. But have the courage to take the first step towards that because um, it, it really works. And I think that this whole sphere or this whole um, idea still has a little bit of a image problem because um, some people who are teaching in this area they make of it look a little mm-hmm. bit airy fairy and ooh, uh, uber inspirational and, and uh, spiritual you decide how far you want to go you decide what you want to do find people that speak your language find the right people to support you in that but start working on yourself start working on yourself and i i'm going to add this i think because people often ask me, how do I become, or oh Chris, you're so keen on, on, this, on this word authenticity. How do I become more authentic? Well, it's actually, because you mentioned the word unlearning a, a, a while mm-hmm. ago when you did the work on yourself. My, my, my number one advice is stop doing all the things that you know are not you. Mm-hmm. And so when, when you peel all of that back, you become a calmer quieter that that's fine version of you and people think yeah but i'll 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 come across so different i'll i'll be i'll be quieter or whatever then that's fine but first sometimes you need to get quiet in order to exactly and hear a different voice and 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 then work with that so some great encouragement in this conversation thank you dr natalia for all your wholehearted input and energy it's been a joy talking with you today um how what is the easiest way for people to find you what's your favorite way for you for people to get in touch with you linkedin just send me a message on linkedin if you don't have a linkedin profile yet then go to my webpage thinknatalia.com and send me a quick message thank you so much i wish you a very continued um authentic lifestyle 2019 and thank you for all that you do and thanks again for coming on the podcast today thanks a lot thanks chris bye (laughs) i hope you have enjoyed listening to today's episode if you want to connect with me please visit christophspeesons.com you can also find me on all major social media and if you're enjoying behind the scenes of happiness why not leave a review on your favorite podcast platform subscribe or perhaps share your favorite episodes with your friends and colleagues if you have any feedback or you would like to get involved do send me an email at connect at 
that's it for today. Thank you, and I'll speak to you again on the next episode.